Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit USCHO.com This is the USCHO Spotlight, a weekly podcast from U.S. College Hockey Online at USCHO.com, featuring conversations with college hockey coaches and players and journalists who cover the sport. Welcome to USCHO Spotlight for Wednesday, October 20, 2021. I'm Ed Trefsker alongside Jim Connolly. Jim, a team that is off to a terrific start in non-league play this season is Bentley. And joining us now on USCHO Spotlight, the head coach of the Bentley Falcons, Ryan Sotoquist. And Ryan, uh, you know, I, I would say that most coaches would say you're a little suicidal with the, the schedule you took out of the gate. Uh, Northeastern, two against Ohio State, Boston College. This is a very aggressive non-conference schedule. But your team's two and two right now with wins over Ohio State and, of course, last Saturday's win against Boston College. Uh, tell me how you feel as a coach, just what you scheduled and now with the results that you've gotten. Right. Obviously, we went into the schedule uh, this year being pretty aggressive early with the non-conference schedule. We wanted to be battle tested uh, before heading into any conference games. Last couple of years, we had some slow starts in the conference. And uh, frankly, I wanted to get back to learning how to play the right way versus non-conference teams early on. And that's kind of why, how we developed the schedule like that. Um, and also, you, you know me, Jim, I always believe if you don't schedule the teams, you can't beat them. Uh, and we want to put the toughest schedule that we can. We want to put our guys up against the best programs in the country. Uh, so that's why year in, year out, try to uh, schedule those opponents. You're going to add some good non-conference opponents. Harvard, UMass, Lowell, I know are on your slate as well. Um, you just kind of touched on it, but you know, when you think about making a schedule, like uh, how do you approach it? Especially now that you have a very solid, you know, a great home arena, you're pulling good teams in. Has that helped you in terms of scheduling? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously years ago, I don't think that Boston college uh, would have come down to the Watertown arena uh, to play us. And, you know, so, it, you know, it's helped us quite a bit, get, get some more balance in our schedule. Uh, you know, this year, obviously, we actually have more home games in uh, non-conference than on the road uh, for the first time ever. So, you know, in our league, you know, we only need six non-conference games. So it gives us a little leverage there in terms of scheduling agreements with teams, uh, you know, but we will only now schedule teams in, in home and home uh, series. Uh, we do not take any, you know, pay for being on the road or any guarantees. You know, we believe that if, if we're going to play a team, we want to play them home and home. Uh, we will head back. We had Ohio State this year, and then we'll head back there next year. Uh, but, you know, the arena has obviously put us in the position to do that. Take me through last Saturday's game. Um, obviously, Boston College had played solid. They had won the icebreak of the weekend before. They played a great game against Northeastern on Friday night at home, and then they go on the road into your building and uh, – you, you, I don't want to say manhandle, but when you're scoring six goals on a team that hadn't given up six goals really all season, um, what did it feel like to, to accomplish what you were able to do uh, against a pretty solid Boston College team? Yeah, it was a great accomplishment for the program. Obviously, really happy with the guys in terms of their focus for 60 minutes and the way that they competed. I thought that we, we battled hard. 
Uh, you know, that was not a, a win in which we were able to, you know, have a goalie steal a game. Granted, our goaltender, uh, Grabco, played unbelievable. Uh, it wasn't a situation where we won one nothing and, and just stole the game or, got, you know, ran out of the building. We actually, I thought, uh, won a lot of our 50-50 battles and, and earned our ice out there. Uh, so I was really, you know, proud of that. And obviously, being a coach, but also an alum of the program, it was a great night. We had a sold-out environment. A lot of alumni back in the building, uh, a lot of student body being there to uh, to root on the team. So I think we installed a lot of pride uh, in Bentley on Saturday night, and it was great to see. Tell me about Cole Codsey and what uh, went on last Saturday with him. He, if I if I have a stats right, he had a, an assist coming into the game and in, in your previous games, uh, he had a, I think two points last season as a freshman. But he ends up with two goals, two assists on Saturday. What what uh, what went into his uh, water before the game? <laughs> That's a secret we cannot tell, right? Uh, no, he's actually he's worked extremely hard. He's a great guy. He's a, he's a culture player for us. He's a guy that you know plays fast, hard, and relentless uh, every single night. I was extremely excited for him to have that success the other night. He's put in the work. That's for sure. Uh, but he, he and his line mates, you know, they all played that way. Uh, the three of those guys on his his line with Patera and Vanderbilt boys, I thought were our best line for most of the night. Uh, they were very physical. They were hard. Uh, they got to the, the net and uh, obviously buried their chances. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's a guy like I said, it's great to see that success when a guy, you know, hasn't didn't come so easy for him as a freshman. And, and it's great to see that his sophomore year is off to a better start. You mentioned being head coach for a couple of decades, and I still think of you as one of the young coaches, probably because I remember seeing you play. But as you look back over that time, what are some of the things, some of the memories that stand out most for you at Bentley? Yeah, there's been a lot. You know, after the game, I was asked if that was the biggest win that we've ever had. And, you know, it, it, that's hard to say, you know, because there has been a lot of achievements. I remember our first win, a first hockey team up at Maine you know, 15 years ago or 14 years ago. And, you know, that was amazing. And, you know, we, we've, we've beaten BC before we beat them in their building. Uh, we've beaten BU, we've beaten them in their building. Uh, but I think that was, you know, a great achievement on Saturday night was the fact that we had a sold out building on our campus and that was Boston college on Bentley's campus. And, uh, you know, I think that was a pretty big mark of a big step taken with the program and to, to get that win. Uh, but, you know, probably, you know, the biggest things, you know, that, that I come back on is the fact that we're continuing to build. You know, we've gone from a program that didn't have a locker room at a public facility to building a locker room. And then obviously fast forward now uh, to having one of the better buildings in college hockey right on our campus. So, you know, there's been tremendous growth. And, you know, that's probably what I'm most proud of is that we continue to build uh, each year. Earlier this week on USCHO, I wrote that while any team... Uh, putting a, a what I call the smackdown on Boston College, uh, who were ranked number six coming into the game, uh, would be considered an upset. It really is past the time for these things to be considered uh, crazy, out of the ordinary things for Atlantic hockey. You go back 15 years, yeah, a, a win like that might be. But with the league developing the buildings and the full complement of scholarships, uh, this is no longer... Uh, an oddity for the league. And, and I think the other teams in the league who had success over the weekend would show that too. Where do you put Atlantic hockey right now in the overall landscape among the six leagues? Well, obviously, you know, the parity in college hockey now is, is tight and we do have better facilities. We have the full allotment of scholarships. 
Um, you know, we do have some older guys, some older players with the transfer portal, some grad kids, you know, so there's, there's a lot more parity in uh, college hockey now. You know, and I, I know we're right on par with, with the other leagues. And, you know, you're going to, you know, always, they're going to be your, your top 10 programs in the country that are, are going to be, you know, really high and, and hard to beat on a given night. And, you know, those BCs and North Dakotas. But, you know, I, I do think that Atlantic hockey's come a long way and we're right there on a national scale. And, you know, I think we've been proving that you know, over the last few years, we've been proving that in the NCAA tournaments with the big wins that we've had. And, you know, if, with a young season already right now, our early has done very well for some pretty good opponents. So, you know, I definitely would say that Atlantic hockey is there in terms of right with the, all the other leagues. You mentioned transfers. You brought in uh, a goaltender and uh, four guys up front for this season. What were you looking for when you uh, uh, approached the transfer portal? Well, the transfer portal is a little tricky. Obviously there was a lot of guys in there. Uh, you know, we weren't, you know, looking for people that we, didn't have a past um, relationship with, or we didn't know personally, or one of our guys on our team didn't know very personally. We didn't want to just bring in random players. Uh, we have a culture that we want to protect. We have a culture that we want to grow. So we had to make sure that we brought in guys that would fit into that culture. And that was the most important component of, of looking at that. With that being said, we also weren't able to, I believe, upgrade uh, our skill set in a couple areas and and it definitely helped us and also gave us the ability to bring in some experience uh you know you brought in you know four guys that you know were in that that 100 game range already in college hockey coming into your program and and that brings a lot of experience as well to the locker room well we know that the fifth year of eligibility is kind of a a one-time thing because of covid but what about the uh one-time transfer rule should that be something that stays in place would you be in favor of that yeah, it's it's really it's a really tough situation. I actually, you know, personally don't like the one time transfer just based upon I think it's it's creating a mess in college hockey, and you know, it, it's going to be springtime is going to be free agency, and and you're dealing with that. It's it's kind of a pro model now in terms of you know managing your team and trying to at least scholarship money open late for the transfer portal. You know, it's just a it's a different environment to be in. Uh, but it also on the flip side has helped some student athletes that were just in a bad situation and they just needed a fresh start. Um, you know, my take on it is I've always believed a kid should be able be allowed to transfer if both institutions agree. You know, if, if, if both staffs and both athletic directors agree, it should be a one-time transfer. It should be allowed. Um, you know, I think that would be a good balance versus just everyone can transfer. So, you know, I'm not in love with the rule, but it is it is now the rule. I'm sure it's here to stay and we're going to have to learn how to uh, deal with that and, and have it uh, be our advantage. How does that affect you with recruiting? Do you have to make sure that you might have an extra player or two? And, uh, and on the other hand, do you have concern that you might not have room for somebody if you get somebody in as a transfer? Yeah, it's, it's just a balance of you know, roster size. You know, I think uh, obviously you see a lot of the programs across the country, even ourselves being at 30 guys is, is, is high. It's, it's a lot of guys to manage and get a lot of kids that are working really hard that haven't had a chance to get in the lineup yet, which is tough to see. Uh, so, you know, you're trying to manage roster size. You're trying to manage having a little wiggle room. If a really good player comes up late that you like, you know, and, and, and trying to have space and, and money available uh, for that. So it's, it's definitely something unique that I've never been through and we're still just trying to see how it works out and taking it kind of one day at a time. More with Ryan Soderquist in a moment. 
This is the USCHO Spotlight, a weekly podcast from U.S. College Hockey Online. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We're back with Bentley head coach Ryan Soderquist. One of the teams that uh, you've had some terrific battles against over the years is Robert Morris. And it was a shock, I'm sure, for you as well as everybody else when the program uh, was first canceled. And now they're trying to get it back together. But as we look at that, uh, what do you think the landscape is going forward for new teams and new leagues? There are some independents that don't have homes now and then some more uh, teams starting up. Does there need to be a shakeup or a realignment uh, across college hockey? Yeah, it's kind of hard. Obviously, there is. I believe there's still going to be some pretty good movement in the in the next four or five years uh, with alignment. I think there'll be a few new teams pop up, uh, and hopefully, like you're talking about Rob Morris, hopefully they are back and, and back up and running as soon as next year. Hopefully, it was it was sad to see that they had a great program. Derek's done a great job down there, uh, so hopefully they get back up and running as soon as possible. But yeah, probably my outlook, I, I do believe that there'll be some movement still in, in college hockey with a couple of the independents out there uh, looking for homes and potentially uh, some shuffles within within the leagues. We're talking with Ryan Soderquist, head coach at Bentley. And Ryan, I, I know you talked about culture uh, in, in terms of your locker room and maybe transfers, you know, always have to fit into that. But how about identity? Do you know what your identity of your team is at this point? I know you're only four games in. I know you probably know what your identity wants to be, but do you know what it is at this point? Yeah, we're, we're getting pretty close and, and, you know, we know where we want to be and who we want to be. We discuss that on a daily basis, obviously in the locker room. Uh, and we're getting close. I mean, you know, you bring a lot of new guys into the program. And we didn't just have freshmen coming in. We also had transfers coming in, five new guys there. Uh, so there was a lot of new guys and, and we're starting to gel now and buy into our identity, what's going to make us successful. And I think that, you know, the win at Ohio State uh, was, it was a good win. And, and on Saturday night with BC, it kind of showed who we are and who we need to be and how we need to win. And, um, you know, I think our locker room is, is starting to gel and, and get that identity tight. Holy Cross. Probably one of the more interesting teams in your league. You're going to face them to open your league schedule this weekend. Bill Riga, a new coach, but you played Quinnipiac many times when he was the assistant. Uh, it does seem like he understands what Rand Pecknall tried to do down there, a pretty aggressive team in terms of forecheck. What do you look for from a Holy Cross team that you know has a new head coach and maybe is trying to put their own identity similar to your, your program? Yeah, I mean, Billy will do a great job there. He's, he's been in the business a long time. He's been at a very successful program and, and learning as well under under Rand and, and being there. And they have obviously a great program at Quinnipiac. You know, they, they have very similar teams, I, I would say, in terms of what I've seen in film, in terms of how they want to play. They're extremely aggressive on the forecheck, you know, getting their D involved in the forecheck and, 
Um, you know, I think that they're they're a good team. I think that they're better actually than their record shows at this time, as a lot of teams in the country are better than their record show at this time because everyone's just trying to figure figure it out and get things together. Uh, so you know, I know they'll be well coached. I know they'll be disciplined, and um, you know, we expect a really tough tough series Thursday and Saturday. Lastly, before I let you go, this might be a, a bit of a self serving question as a a Waltham Massachusetts resident myself, but what is Waltham? meant to this program, especially now that you're, you're playing on campus at Bentley in this, you know, kind of a small community that seems to really love hockey. Yeah, obviously it's a great community. It's a great hockey community. The, the, the Waltham high hockey programs have always been very strong. The Waltham youth hockey programs always been very strong. Uh, and we're starting to get a lot of support from them and, you know, we're trying to support them as well. We have our guys down there, you know, working with their youth programs and youth practices and, uh, you know, we're starting to create a very good bond between uh, Waltham Hockey and, and the community and, and Bentley. So I'm excited about, you know, kind of the growth. I saw a lot of that on Saturday night. We had a ton of the community in uh, for the game versus BC. Uh, and it's something that we're going to continue to grow. And, and our guys uh, obviously know that they need to support Waltham and we love their support back. So it's it's a great relationship in the making. Well, it has been a very nice start for the season for Bentley Hockey. Uh, two and two, but wins over Ohio State, Boston College. League play begins this week, Thursday night at Holy Cross, Saturday at home for uh, a, a matinee-ish game, four or five start uh, at Bentley. Ryan Sardiquist, head coach, we we love having you on. Thanks so much for your time and uh, good luck the rest of the way. We're definitely going to catch up with you because this, this is a team that I think is interesting and it's going to be fun to follow this year. I appreciate it. Appreciate being on. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Ed. That's Bentley head coach Ryan Soderquist. One of the things, Jim, that I was really intrigued about from Ryan is that they're only going to take home-and-home situations with non-league games. They want reciprocation. They've got a beautiful building now at, at Bentley for teams to come into. That right there is a huge measure of progress for his program and the league. No doubt. You know, I, I know that... You know, my high school played in the old arena that, that they used to call home, the John A. Ryan. My, my kid plays her youth, youth hockey practices there on Saturday morning. It is not a college hockey facility. And it was a very big struggle for them when they, they had a home games there. But I'll, I'll tell you, I look at some of the teams that went there. They had a, a team that I believe went to an Atlantic hockey championship game. It might have been a Mac game back then, whatever, whatever it was. I mean, they, Ryan and his club did everything they could when they were in that building. But since they have had this on-campus facility, I do believe that, and you hear it, that teams will come and play. And the fact that you got Ohio State in your building for two, and the fact that you got BC there, they're going to have UMass Lowell there later this season. It's a nice, it's a, not even a nice, it's a beautiful facility. And, for, and they built it right. It's, you know, 1900 and change in terms of, capacity you put you know an average crowd in there it feels loud it feels like you get a great environment i think that that is the right determination in terms of what they needed for that school um and i know gloria lawson was the president back then and i've known her for for a number of years and she did a great job of getting that building built and you know ryan and his staff and you know, the athletic director there, they've done a fantastic job of pushing that program forward. Now, 
they need to take some steps. You, you've got this building and you, you've, got, you've had some great teams come in. You've now had two great non-conference wins in the same season at that building. Now, what do you do within your own conference? You know, this is a team that was picked to finish eight out of 10. Can you turn that into four out of 10 or three? Like, can you move up in your, your standings, maybe make yourselves a, a, some, a team that is talked about more? That's where I think the biggest challenge for Bentley. They're definitely a team that's better than eighth in the conference, but even a team picked first or second could end up eighth in the conference because it is that tightly packed. And you do have the wild card of transfers making it difficult uh, to see who's what talent level each team has and see who's going to be going to be good. A couple of things I want to hit on that he talked about that we talked about uh, the growth of Atlantic hockey and also where the league sits among other leagues. I think Atlantic hockey is like 90% of the way there. I don't think they're all the way there yet, but they have made up a huge gap. And I think he's correct to point that out. I, I might still put it a tiny bit lower, like 80, 75, 80. They're, they're taking major steps. The scholarships was the biggest limitation, right? Now that, that that's out of the way. And, and teams can give the same par scholarships to every other team in the country. Now that you've taken that obstacle out of the way, buildings were an issue, but I think for the most part, we've seen that solved. I think, you know, you still have some schools that at the beginning, you know, Holy cross, boy, the heart center was way you know, head and shoulders above the jar and was so much better than the Milford ice pavilion down at sacred heart and whatever that building that Quinnipiac originally played in. I mean, it was so much better, but now you look at Holy Cross, they've probably taken the furthest step backwards because they don't have a new arena. They, they need to find jump in on that game. You know, Mercyhurst has kind of tried to improve their building um, with, you know, some small renovations. You, you see, obviously the Paul Saini center at uh, RIT is one of the best buildings in the country. Canisius has a rink that is, you know, a practice arena for an NHL team. Everybody in the, the the country seems to take steps forward. You've got to find every team needs to get on that par. Buildings are always the separator. And it's not just the, the rink. It's the weight room. It's the locker room. So can you do small things to make sure that you're on par with the rest of, your, rest of the country? That, I think, is the biggest challenge that Atlantic hockey faces now is just making sure that all 10 schools, 11 once Robert Morris is back next year, all those schools have exactly what they need for facilities to recruit the best players. I've been interested to hear from coaches, both those we've talked to on the program and some I've talked to offline about the transfer portal. And it seems like we're coming to a consensus where nobody likes it, but everybody accepts it. I think you're right. Um, I don't think I have had a single coach say that that's the way they wish it was going for the rest of time. You know, but everybody realizes that it it won't change. Um, this is something that was put in through a national level vote. And it was something that was established because of the fact that there were only a few sports and college hockey was among them, college football, college basketball, men's and women's. I think baseball was in there as well. I mean, these were sports that were just kind of thrown into this random group of you can't transfer without sitting out a year. Every other sport in the NCAA, volleyball, uh, water polo, rugby, whatever the sport might be, you could transfer. And there was no penalty. And it's just, you know, one of those things that you didn't have to deal with. I remember the first time this was ever explained to me. Um, 
and it didn't seem that bad. Oh, one-time transfer. You can only do it once. So it's not truly free agency. But when you look at the numbers and the number of players in the portal every summer, and last year might have been a little bit skewed because of the, the super senior and the extra year player. But you cannot, it is not sustainable for college hockey to have 150 to 250, maybe even more players in a transfer portal. You can't have that. That becomes free agency. And even if you can only do it once, every player can do it once. And that's a lot of players that when they just kind of get pissed off at their head coach, they say, we're out of here. And I, we heard Jerry York talked about it. We've, we heard Joe Sean talk about it. Now we've heard Ryan Sodic was talking about it. Like, it doesn't necessarily make sense for the schools, but that said, it's not going anywhere. I just don't see this as going away anytime soon. And finally, I think it'll be fun to see Bentley develop its personality this season. If they develop the personality of their head coach, particularly when he was a player, they're going to be a scrappy, aggressive team that can put up a lot of points. I mean, that's, that's who he was as a player. I remember covering him his senior year and, you know, Spent a lot of time in the penalty box, but he also spent just as much time celebrating goals. He, you know, he was a really talented offensive player, um, you know, who was scrappy. And he's, you know, you, you look at Ryan Soderquist. I'm not tall. I'm 5'10". And I know I, I don't tower over Ryan, but you know, comparatively size-wise, he's a couple of inches shorter. I mean, that's, a, that's what a player in college hockey at, say, 5'8", five, 5'7", five, I don't know what his exact size has to be. You have to be a little scrappy. You got to be a little tougher than everybody else. And um, this Bentley team, I haven't seen them play live. I've just seen some tape stuff. Um, they seem to have a really good offense. And I think, you know, when I think of the teams we've seen them, them put forward over the last few years, they always have good offense. It's just whether they have a good defense that backs it up. So goaltending, I think, you know, taking care of the puck in their own zone, that's going to be a big, big question mark for them. If they can do that. And it seems like they did it pretty well last Saturday against Boston college. You do that well, you, you don't know how, how high the ceiling is for this Bentley team. Well, we'll look forward to following them along the way this season. For Jim Connolly, I'm Ed Trefsker, and we'll catch you next time. This has been the USCHO Spotlight, a production of U.S. College Hockey Online. Visit uscho.com slash podcasts to listen or subscribe. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.